0: Hello and welcome to the Trinity Ability Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Harry O'Brien. This is episode two of our four-part special series promoting our new short film, which is coming out on September 3rd. So be sure to follow our social medias to be notified as soon as that comes out. In this episode, I sit down with Colette and Colette is one of the three actors in the short film who speaks about her story. So I just kind of went behind the scenes, asked her about her engagement in the movie, asked her a bit more about her disability, and yeah, just a really, really interesting conversation. So a bit of background about us, the Trinity Ability Co-op is a cooperative movement led by students with disabilities toward radical inclusion on Trinity campus. This podcast series and short film were made possible by the Trinity Equality Fund. The Equality Fund is especially designed to facilitate innovative and creative equality projects by staff and students the university. Our project theme is Inclusive Trinity, showing how Trinity fosters an inclusive environment and experience for all members of the Trinity community. So without further ado, here's the interview. So, Colette, can you tell me what your role was in the film?
1: Uh, my role in this short film was to be informative with reference to my disability. My disability is chronic pain syndrome slash peripheral neuropathy. Um, It was something that it's a it's a it's quite a new um, disability for me to get used to as well as five years ago I was diagnosed with breast cancer and although my surgery went very well I was left with a lot of um, a lot of pain uh, problems and uh, one of the main things is chronic pain on the on the left hand side of my body from the top of my shoulder all the way down to kind of my waist top of my leg. So that's you know one of the problems. Um, the, the 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 role that I had in the film was I was trying to show an example of what a day in my life um, looks like as a mature student and as a disabled mature student in third level education. Um, I outlined the mobility difficulties that I encountered on the campus, and the difficulty I have in accessing areas such as the library or a lot of the buildings actually are quite inaccessible when you look at it. Um, I also like the fact that um, our role in the film highlighted invisible disabilities in Trinity College. So my role was just to simply highlight with, you know, what supports I can access in order to make my third level education path a lot easier. That's a
0: very invisible disability.
1: It wouldn't be common. It actually isn't common for people who've had a, a you know, breast cancer surgery, mastectomies, all the horrible things that go breast cancer. The problem I encountered was, I um, a couple of weeks after my surgery, I encountered um, a dreadful infection that I received in the hospital. So, in order for me to get ready for my next lot of treatment, which was, you know, radiation and hormone therapy, I had to stay in hospital for quite a while and have um. Drastic procedures done to grow the skin back together.
0: And how does that impact you like day to day in college, having that like kind of invisible disability?
1: Because I, I plan to go to college. I have, four, I have four daughters myself and three of them have just gone through college. I've always worked full time. When this happened to me, I could no longer work. So everything changed financially. Uh, everything changed at home. So I had to obviously I had a couple of years recovery and then I had to think about what I really wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I needed a goal. And um, despite having ongoing um, treatments in hospital um, and still do and lots of appointments, regular appointments as well. I needed to have a goal to keep me to keep me sane, <laughs> to be quite honest, <laughs> you know, to keep me sane and keep me going and keep me, you know, positive for my family as well, you know, so day to day it varies every day is so different one day i could have i could be extremely tired it just depends on the pain levels you know i just before i left the hospital um i had a neurostimulation lead attached to my spine it's a huge surgery but um and i have a box in the end of my back and i have a remote control that works off the box So this kind of saved me, saved my sanity as well, to be quite honest, because the pain was just so much. I've never, I've never had any sort of pain issues in my whole life, but when you have chronic pain syndrome, it actually takes over every nerve in your body. So it's really difficult to do day-to-day activities. So when I got this neurostimulation lead put in by the pain clinic in St. James's Hospital, it was one of a kind, they've never done a post-mastectomy syndrome patient like me before so it was all very new we didn't know whether it was going to work or not so it takes away about 30 percent of the nerve pain that i would get even when i sleep i twitch and and i move and especially with college i have to make sure that i i plan these days very carefully and um you know if i have research or assignments or anything like work up to exams and things like that i just have to be um just very mindful that, you know, while I'm, while I'm in good <laughs> form and I'm not in too much pain, I, c- I can get a lot not done. But then I always know what's going to happen when I am in tremendous pain, even despite having this neurostimulation lead. And despite being on pain, pain meds, it does overtake it. The pain overtakes me some days. Yeah.
0: So it seems like you would need a lot of flexibility from your lecturers, you know, with deadlines and stuff. Because some days you just can't work, it seems.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't realize that I could even be part of disability services for quite a while. And um, that's why I'm very new to disability services as well. I was, I don't know whether I, I, personally, I was trying to probably hide it from other, from the lecturers and from the students thinking I was going to get there. I'd be fine, you know, resilient, (laughs) really positive. I'll get there. But it's not a case of that. It's a case of there's so much to access. And especially if you're a first year, I mean, I'm a mature student, but if you were a 17, 18, 19 year old coming in, it would be very difficult to access disability services. If you weren't registered, you have to register and you have to find out as much as possible. That's the main thing, really. So I'm delighted I'm registered now and I'm part of disability services and I'm looking forward to my new my second year. (laughs) Um. So I can access all the things that are there, you know, very important.
0: And what supports are there that uh, help you with college?
1: Well, for me, I mean, I I was talking to other people who were doing the film and everybody's so different. Everybody's disability is so different, you know. So for me, I found just a simple thing like having a proper locker in the arts building, because to walk from the front gate to the arts building is enough for me without having to walk back with heavy books, you know, my coat, and then access another building that could be a good bit away as well. The next thing is the the respite area. It's a room that's available for disability students that need to basically rest. I mean, I, I'll be coming in very early on the train, hopefully when we're back in full flow on the campus. I'll be getting the very early train at 7 o'clock from Clare if I have a 9 o'clock start. So I then get two Lewis's then after the, when I get off at Houston, I've got two more trips on the loose. And then I will have a full day. Sometimes, depending on my timetable, then I have to go back to Houston. Then probably five, half five, six. So I need a rest during the day at about three o'clock, just to get myself together. And it makes a huge difference. I know that from being at home. You know, studying last year, that I have to do that. If I don't, I'm no good. I can't continue the day. So that's going to be brilliant. There's another fantastic area called the attic. area atic and it's a tis what's the a- technology area so that's in the berkeley and the leckie again i won't be able to access that until september because of the way things were last year but it's going to be great for me because there's so much that i i can access there for just to help me with research assignments just with my academic studies just to make things a little bit easier for me
0: you said you always wanted to go to college but you kind of had like every excuse to kind of just put it off you know what and you said you needed a goal or something but like your goal could have just been to stay healthy you know why was your goal to go to college especially after you know all you'd been through and all you were going through
1: I mean that's that's true a lot of my friends ask me why I've done it I must be crazy because they're at a stage now where they have they're looking after their grandchildren now you know but look, I've always worked. I've always worked full time. I've always worked in merchandising, visual merchandising with River Island for a long time in London and in England and in, in Dublin. So I never planned to give up work. Financially, we've still got a young family. I have got a huge mortgage that, we, I, you know, that's another reason why I need to have a goal of, you know, going back to work and earning money as well. And it's important. It's important that I do it as well, you know. Um, Especially when I'm able to do it now a couple of years later after, you know, my recovery. Yeah, there's there's plenty of reasons why why you don't go to college. You know, financial is probably one of the main reasons, actually, for a lot of people. Having said that, I come from a family of six and the three lads were sent to college and all became engineers. (laughs) And the three girls in the family weren't. So it was probably just a, a sign of the times as well. You know, I did my leaving cert and that was it. I was out of school and I got a job straight away. There was no going to college for the three girls in the family, you know.
0: Yeah, that'd be very common. And that's changed completely now, has it?
1: Oh, it has completely. Yeah, yeah. Now, if my youngest didn't want to go to college, or wasn't ready and maybe wanted to do a level six or level seven, that's fine, too, because you don't find yourself till you're <laughs> in your mid-twenties late 20s early 30s anyway you know what I mean and then whatever you've done you could be doing something completely different then so but it's a good grounding it's a good grounding and I'm so glad I did it it was very difficult to get in to the, to get a mature student place as well I mean that wasn't easy it wasn't easy you know um, in that you have to apply completely different to the tap program you have to apply to mature, stu- um, mature student services and um, a lovely woman called Claude de Byrne, I met her the year before I joined. And unfortunately, that year I had another surgery. So it wasn't until the following January 2020, I actually knocked on her office door again. and I said, I'm here again. Can I apply this year? So that's how I ended up. I had an interview with the heads of department then as well, of course, with um, History of Art and History of Architecture. The interviews went very well. I'd done a lot of huge amount of research. My eldest daughter lives in London, and I went over for three months, January, February, March of 2020. I just did nonstop studying and caught up with a lot, of, a lot of topics that, you know, being ill, I would have missed out on. And I wanted to be current as well. I wanted to know what was going on in the art and architecture world. As I say, I've always been interested in both art and architecture. So I've always been on top of things that have been going on, you know. Me and my friends, we have a group and we, you know, it's good to discuss things like that as well. So, yeah, so that that was, that was it was interesting then to have the interview um, with the heads of department. And then, of course, I had to wait about three months to find out, did I have a place? And then when I got the place, then I actually remember replying to academic registry, you know, asking you know almost are you sure <laughs> you know this is for me but you know um and then of course I got my final um confirmation to say that I had a place and of course then I started to tell everybody then you know and started to plan then for the September I had another surgery in the July of that year actually July 2020 and I was hoping I was told I'd have six months six weeks sorry recovery and um I was fine and I started college then in September and even at that stage I hadn't even told anybody in Trinity that I was recovering from surgery you know. Part of that reason is because I'm just very independent and I keep a lot to myself but and it worked out fine in the end. There was no need to say it at the time anyway because everything worked out fine for me you know.
0: And what were your friends reactions when they found out you were going back to college?
1: Well one said she'd rather lose her arm (laughs) I couldn't understand that for the life of me, to be quite honest. Um, Most are very positive. Yeah, very positive. One friend in particular, she's a great interest in what I do and what I, what I have a great interest in what she does. So that's good. You know, it's good to have one person who's really on your team, more or less, you know, who um, and she's got a good few kids in college at the moment. So it's good that we kind of bounce off each other. And anything that I kind of talk about to do at college, she understands completely. I don't have to. Talk about it in a roundabout way, or you know, in a different way that you'll try and understand. So that's good because I find when you do go to college, the people that are are around you, which is great, your family, your friends. And um, sometimes they they won't want they don't want to broach subjects you're in college, or what you're doing, or you could have a really really hard exam coming up, and you might not be able to go out for about six weeks beforehand because it's you know you have a lot of work to do, and. You know, sometimes people don't understand that part of it. You know, my age group anyway, they don't, they don't really understand that it's its going to take a lot more for me to do it than a young 20 year old, you know.
0: And what would your advice be? So like, how should someone know if, um, if they should go back to college or not?
1: I think I think in my case, anyway, I always have had it in my mind to do it. Various things happened along the way. We we lost, two of my brothers died, you know, within a a time between each other. And then my mum died. So different things happened. Then we moved house. Then there was a recession. Uh, there was all sorts of things that happened. So I, my goal of going to college was kind of going further and further and further away. But for some reason, about two years after I recovered from cancer, recovering from the surgery end of cancer, I'm not quite sure how it all came together, to be quite honest. I think Clodagh Byrne in, in Mature Students services had a lot. Because when I went in, I really didn't have a clue what I was talking about. <laughs> I knew I wanted to do history of art and architecture. I always knew that. But... You know, there's hundreds of courses that you could do. And I knew if I didn't get into that, I'd have to wait for the next year. And then if I didn't get in that new year, I'd have to wait for the following year. I was prepared to do that, to be quite honest with you. I didn't want to go. Maynooth only up the road for me. Carlo's the other way. There's lots of colleges around me. But I wanted to go to Trinity College. That was my main my main goal. And um, I'm so glad everything worked out. So that will be good, you know. And even, you know, getting to know the people from Disability Service, great getting to know Courtney and Mary and Gary and the two people who did the, the video with me, Scott and Jessica, two lovely people. So, you know, there's five people now I already got to know just over the course of the last two months, really. So it'd be nice even if you meet on the campus, it'd be somebody to, to talk to as well. Because, again, going back to last year, we didn't socialize with our lecturers or each other.
0: How did you actually get involved in this short film?
1: We got an email in, I think it was going back to April or May, to say from from disability services through the Ability Co-op, who I knew nothing about at the time. And it was from Courtney to say if there was anybody interested in getting involved with a short film on more or less invisible disabilities. So I was doing my exams at the time, preparing for them and doing them at the time in May. So I wrote back emails back straight away and I said I would be interested um, I'd be interested in doing research and helping with locations and helping on the shoot day, all that kind of thing. Never dreaming that I would be doing the actual short film myself. So then we had quite a few Zoom meetings then and Jessica was on board at this stage and so was Scott. And I was just talking to Mary and Gary one day and they said, you know, we just, it just happened. I said, I'll, I'll do my story as well, you know, because we needed another person. So... um straight away then I sent my statement of disability um, to the team to have a look at because obviously they hadn't a clue what my background was you know and I sent that up and they came back to me that afternoon and said you know well done thanks for doing that because it is quite hard it's quite cathartic as well in one way but it's actually very difficult to write out a lot of stuff that you've forgotten about as well you know my diagnosis, unfortunately, didn't go smoothly, so I had, to, I you know, I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear about cancer returning for quite a while, you know, so um, talking about it was quite difficult, but writing it down and typing it up and an email, it was even more difficult for me, you know. And then the other thing about preparing for the role is logistically, living out in Kildare, I had to make sure that I had train tickets because everything's booked. Now you have to book everything in advance that I had a place on the train. Also talking about my disability so open and honestly brought a lot of fears out that I thought I had hidden away, to be quite honest. Yeah.
0: So you would have probably grown a lot, I'd say, from uh, just even taking part in the movie.
1: I I just thought, well, maybe, maybe I could help other people when they come in, especially first years who are not keen on, on accessing disability service and I know that is a case for first years. They don't want to be different. You know, some some other first years are great. They'll come in and you know, they'll come from school and they've already had access in school, so it's just a follow on for them. I know, I know, I know there are people in my daughter's college in NCAD who haven't accessed disability services for that reason because they don't want to feel different. They don't want to look different. So that's that's unfortunately So I'm hoping I'm hoping what I've done and that my role portrays is that I hope I hope that you know first years can have a look at this or any year really but basically first years that are coming in September 2021 and they have a look at it and and you know realize well there is lots of services I can access and it just takes registering um with disability services and just getting involved and There's a whole team of people there that you could actually ring every day if you wanted to, if you had a problem with something, you know, or if you can't find something or you can't carry something or you can't walk to a particular area. There's a huge amount of access and and help from from the disability services, you know. Yeah, so preparing for the role, I didn't really have to prepare very much because it's my everyday life anyway. (laughs) You know, what I was portraying really was what my, it was like a day in my life really. That's how I look at it, you know. Yeah, so it was all very positive, I thought, for myself. And that's that's what I wanted to bring across as well. The other thing is I hope the staff, I hope lecturers and, you know, professors, I hope they look at this. I'm, I'm hoping that some of my lecturers see it and understand that, you know, before I even start work in the morning, I have a lot of work, be, you know, to do before that, you know, on myself and my health.
0: I don't think anyone wants to label themselves having a disability. But... Um... Yeah, there's so many supports available when you join the disability service. So many supports. And um, yeah, I'd encourage every, almost everyone to register with them. Um, even if you only really think you have one, a disability. And you mentioned that earlier, how you hope that people do kind of overcome their, their anxiety and their hesita- yeah, hesitancy yeah. and just yeah, register with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, you won't because, regret it. Like
1: Because, because parents can't really... Like once you're 18 and your your daughter joins college or your son, you know, you can't even get on to academic registry to ask questions about the disability um uh, services. So you can imagine like some 18 year olds, 19 year olds be very immature and would say, oh, I'll put it off to next month or the month. And I know this happened. I've heard my daughter told me this is what's going on. So it just kind of gets put off and then. You know, then the exams come around and the assignments, and they haven't asked for the extra time, or you know, and that's when all the problems start. But it's it's not too late. But it's it's kind of you know you're, you're you could be half of the year into college at that stage. For me, it's just an absolute plus in my life, <laughs> and I'm so glad I found them. You know,
0: yeah, so so and so many perks fit as well.
1: get hmm. like, yeah, Extra
0: time in your exams in certain cases, you can do it. You can do your exam on campus instead of the RDS.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the I email, didn't need it's it.
0: Support. Yeah, it's great, yeah.
1: But... In the end, I didn't need the extra time. But the fact that I had it, because the morning of May, last exam in May, I had a very bad chronic pain patch of a couple of hours. And when this happens to me, it takes me then another couple of hours to kind of get my body back into, you know, working. And because um, mine was offline, so I had 24 hours to do it. But, you know, you're only supposed to spend about six hours um of the day on it. But I lost four hours straight away. So I was playing catch up for the whole day long. And I um, you don't know whether to talk to people, to ring somebody up. Can you ring an exam? It's really, it's really a very anxious time. Um, so, you know, I did have the extra time, but I got there in the end and I didn't have to use it. I used it for a submitting a little bit later. That was helpful. I just wanted to reread something but apart from that yeah it's it's just it's, it's, you just need it you need, you just need that extra bit of time just in case you know what I mean just in case you don't make the deadline
0: Yep, literally just in case and this is the last question now Colette um is there anything you'd hope that the viewers would know is there anything you'd like to tell them before they watch the short film
1: I would probably like the viewer to know that there is a high percentage of students that live with disability And often this can be an invisible disability. And this short film will give the viewer an idea of what it would be like to walk in our shoes. Most disabilities do not get better or improve over time. Unfortunately, they can sometimes be degenerative and they are for life. Disability students are very resilient. Coming to college is a case in point. Daily tasks are often monumental for disability students. So add to that the assignments, research, deadlines, exams, lectures, seminars. And you wonder how it is possible. But you see, disabled students are unique, distinctive individuals who have so much to gain from third level. They have an inner strength that is only gained from their own personal experience um, throughout their lives. Um, I would like the viewer to understand that disability students are all completely different and... What we do have in common is barriers that are put up by able-bodied people who do not fully understand the road that we take each and every day to fit in or belong to the community of Trinity College. And I'd just like them to know that this is our college also.
0: So that's it. That's the episode. Hope you enjoyed. If you want to see the short film, it'll be released on September 3rd. So Follow the Ability Co-op. We're on all social medias to get notified as soon as it's released. And again, a big thank you to the Equality Fund for helping make this project a reality.